Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi again. We are going through the book of Galatians. We are now in chapter 4. In this chapter 4, Apostle Paul will begin to make allegory talking between Isaac, comparing Isaac to Ishmael, comparing New Jerusalem to the Old Jerusalem, the city or not, with the city that is known. It's an allegory. They're still trying to distinguish between the law and grace. The law of Moses, where people thought by keeping all those laws they can be saved. Apostle say, by the work of the Lord, no man shall be justified. But the grace is that faith in Christ Jesus will give you a new life, a new heart, and a new born again experience that Christ is giving. This is a grace. Not, you, not that you deserve it, you just believe, and then He gives it to you. And that is what we call grace, free gift from God. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's a free gift, but you have to receive it. Take, for example, somebody, is a, somebody that is a millionaire, he saw the wretchedness of people, and he came and said, Okay, all of you, listen. Come and take this package from me, a bundle of $100 bills. That will solve some your problem. There's a bundle that is ten thousand dollars. Every one of you come and take it. And they all look at him. One person went there and took it. You have to take it from his hand. He stretches towards you. If you take it, you will know that you have taken it, then you release it also. If you don't go there to take it from his hand, you will get it. So they stretch his hand also. Say, come and take it from him. And you have to stretch off your hand and take it also. So the has God has given you are now to take it. Let's say you just power pulls in a pile and say, everybody come by and pick up one bundle of ten thousand dollar bills and that will solve your problem. And you don't go there to pick it up, then you have not received yours. No so. That is exactly what he's talking about, that it is a grace, free gift. <coughs> God has given it out, then you have to take it. You have to receive it. Now let's read in Galatians chapter 4 as Apostle Paul continued to show this allegory between law and grace. That God has given this grace, but He is telling you to preach to you so that you can receive it. He has given it, you have to receive it. Now I say, that's verse, verse 1, that the heir, as long as he is a child, defied nothing from his servant, though he be lord of all. Now it's coming from the father, I said, a king. That has a son that's going to inherit everything that was going to become the king after the, after him. As long as that child is, is the last son is still a little baby, he will be under tutors, under schoolmaster until he becomes mature. So that's where it's coming from from verse 1. The heir, as long as he is a child, defies nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. He's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we are like under bondage until God sent the Spirit of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us. Um, adopt us as sons. That's what he's talking about. We are adopted as sons of God by adoption. And because we are sons of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, 
we are no more, he said, Thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now you see how we Christians can call ourselves sons of God by adoption. When a rich man that I wanted to have more children and he doesn't want to go through the birth, child, birth, birth of children in this world, they might just adopt children and train the children to be like them and they will be their son. If you adopt a child and you can train him to just behave like you, he's just qualified to be your son. So God is adopted us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ coming to live inside us and make us behave like son and like him. Make us to be acceptable to God also because he is the son of God. And we are now possessed by him, the son of God. So we behave like him and talk like him and think like him and walk like him. And we are adopted as sons of God. That is the mystery of being adopted, adopted to the sons of God. That's why we Christians are called ourselves sons of God. I know in the other religion, they thought they are slaves of God. A slave can't live in the house forever, only sons. Verse 8 said, How be then when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods? But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years, which he was pointing to rather is like a making an indictment of people that are doing all this, that all of those things that people are trying to do to to fulfill the law of Moses. Oh, this is a day of uh, this particular thing. They must do this this way. You must observe this. You must observe the Sabbath. You must, you see, all of those things, they are shadows of things of God. He said that those are things that are bondages before we knew Christ. And if I say, I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as here, you have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel to you at the first, and my temptation which was in my flesh you despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spoke of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now, Apostle Paul is more or less bringing it personal right now to the letter he wrote to the Galatians. Bringing it personal as it was now telling them that, look, when I came to preach to you guys, even though I was just a human being, I have some ailment you can see, maybe he has some things that everybody consider it was not a, not, not, not a perfectly healthy like all of them thought you know, if you are speaking for God you should be soundly healthy say look I have some infirmity of my flesh too but you still listen to what I was teaching you and you took me like an angel of God because the word is what is ministering to you not my beautiful face or ugly face you see you see but where they where, where so I, so for what he's calling about he's just trying to bring it personal to them now he said these people that came and started preaching something else they are zealously affecting you, but not well. They won't let you affect them. That's the thing. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I'm present with you. My little children, he called them children because he was the one that converted them to Christ. Of whom I travel in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice. For I stand in doubt of you. Tell me. Ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? 
Now it's going to begin to describe the law of Moses and make an allegory between the law and grace from this time forward. Say, for it is written, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bond bond maid and the other by a free woman. That is the Isaac and the Ishmael. He's trying to use as allegory right now. He's going to compete, just using different things to compare the law of Moses with the grace that Christ brought. Which one is better? The grace is the new covenant that God is making with mankind. The law is being demolished, abolished, thrown away. It's old. Nobody could do it anyway, so God abandoned that, throw it away. So those who are trying to still be under that law, they are wasting their time. Because through the law, through the works of the law, no man could be justified. So now God is making a new covenant with mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Son of the living God, accept my Son as, the, as your Savior. Let him come and live inside you and give you a new life and a new heart. And you will be born again. That is the new covenant. And Christ said, my Lord is for you to just love one another. He will be inside you and make you do the rest and fulfill the law of the, the will of God. So now, Apostle Paul is now trying to make another allegory comparison between law and grace. Bringing it from the two seed of Abraham that say, look, here is one that was born from Sarah, the wife of Abraham, a free woman, and the other one was born by Agar, the slave of, of Abraham, in the bondage. Look at Ishmael, the son of Abraham, Ishmael. In verse 23, he said, But he who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was born was by promise. Because God promised Abraham that yeah, you have a son, and that was when Isaac was born, after his mom was already almost 90 something 90 year old. As a that's a child of miracle, child of promise. Verse 24. So which is an allegory? So it's going to be make an allegory between those two women and those two seed of Abraham. For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai where Moses received the law, the tablets of law, which gendered to bondage, which is Agar. That is, is just making an allegory. Almost like, take for example, let's assume that this bond woman is representing, just call it, is representing Mount Sinai where the law was given. It's representing bondage because they, nobody could actually keep those laws but it was given to them anyway for this a guy is manzana in arabia and it answered to jerusalem which now is that is is compare is making the allegory that let Ega, the, the the slave that brought forth aishmael represent jerusalem that is on earth and it's also representing mount sinai where the law was given that's what he's trying to use as an allegory. He said the Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with Achille. He said that Jerusalem that is now in the world, the Jerusalem in, in Israel right now, is in bondage with his children. And you see that in some of those letters of the, of the prophets, where they are talking about Jerusalem or not as a bondage. But Jerusalem which is above, there's another Jerusalem in heaven. It's a free city which is the mother of us all. So he's talking about another Jerusalem, which is in heaven, New Jerusalem, we call it in the book of Revelation chapter 22, that God is building for his saints. It's New Jerusalem, we call it. He said that is in heaven, and it's a free city representing the 
free woman, Sarah, representing the, the grace of God, not by the law that was given in Mount Sinai, which is bondage. So that's what he's using as an allegory. But 77 said, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travelest not. For the desolate has many more children than she which has an husband. Now, that was quoting a prophecy in Isaiah chapter chapter 2. Okay. Now, if that's talking about Jerusalem that's in heaven, we say Isaiah himself couldn't understand whether he was talking about Jerusalem that's in heaven or Jerusalem that is on earth when the Jews were being driven out of Jerusalem on earth and it looked like they are desolate. And Isaiah was using that to prophesy that a barren woman will have more children. But Apostle Paul is saying, it's, that can be representing the Jerusalem in heaven that looked like it's still an empty city until the saints arrive there. And that Jerusalem will come down from heaven, like the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 22, it will descend from heaven upon the earth. Whether it will be hanging like the moon on, on planet earth, so that we will be able to go up there, back and forth, it will be seen in the, in the, in the book of Revelation chapter 22. Now, verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. You understand that? We, brethren, mean we believers in Christ. We Christians, we saints, are the children of promise. Promised by God to Abraham. We are the children of promise because we are believing God by faith. The following, we are coming into Christ by faith. Not by works of the law that we have been righteous enough. That's why he accepted us. No. He's accepting the wicked, the most wicked of all sinners. If he will turn to Christ, Christ will accept him and wash him clean and he become a new creature. So it is by the grace of God that he's saving us. So that's what Apostle Paul is alluding to here. That we, as Isaac was, we are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted him that was born after the spirit, Isaac, even so it is now. That's why the Jews that don't believe who are following the law of Moses are persecuting the Christians that believe that are following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a persecution. It's just uh, using the same analogy that just like Ishmael was persecuting Isaac that made the Sarah to say that you send Ishmael and his mom away. It's always the case. There was always persecution. The, the true seed will be persecuted by the false seed. And that's why you see the the Jews that don't believe Christ as the Messiah began to persecute the Christians, which was what Apostle Paul, when he was Saul of Tarsus, also was doing, not understanding. He was a chief persecutor as a Pharisee, persecuting the believers in Christ. And that was what he was going to do in Damascus to arrest some of them, that God stopped him on the road and converted him. So he could now understand, he could explain it better from the revelation God gave to him that just the same way the unbelieving Jews were persecuting the believing Christians just like uh, Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. Verse 30 Nevertheless, what said the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Now that is a serious judgment. Anyone that wants to stay under the law and thinking by their works of righteousness, how they're going to enter heaven, they are deceived. The law 
the judgment has been set just like it was set for Ishmael and his and his mother Eger cast out the bondwoman and her son is what was the bond God said do what Sarah said because it was through Isaac the Abraham seed will be lied so cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman that was in the physical then but in the spiritual what is being said right now is that those who wanted to follow and please go by doing the law, the works of the law, not accepting Christ, they will be cast into a lake of fire because they have not accepted Christ. Only those who accepted Christ are the children of the free woman, this new Jerusalem. And that's how you can only be saved. No man can come unto his father but by me. That's what Christ meant. And that's what Apostle Paul is bringing out in this uh, narration that is showing to us in Galatians chapter 4. That when the judgment was passed against Ishmael and, and his mother Eger, and they were cast, and God agreed, they cast them out in the physical. It was symbolizing that those who we follow, who want to obey, who want to keep following the law of Moses as the only way they are going to get to heaven, and they refuse to accept Christ, they think by just doing their own righteousness is how they are going to get there. They cannot get there. They are going to be cast out of heaven they will be cast into the lake of fire because that is the judgment against ishmael and his mother cast out the bond woman and that's really what he was talking about here that the only way to get to heaven is to go through the seed that was promised the christ of god that said no man can come unto the father but by me i am the way the truth and the life no man can come unto the father and that's why you can see that muhammadanism will not save you it's not in line with what we are saying here. Mohammedanism cannot save you. Being Judaism will not save you. They are trying to follow the law of Moses and rejecting Christ. It will not save you. You will be lost. The only way is Jesus Christ. Say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So that's what Apostle Paul was bringing in from this revelation of what was being reported in the book of Genesis between Abraham and his seed. It was actually you know, denoting or the depicting what will happen between the grace and the law the law of moses and the grace of god has been given to anyone that will believe by faith so it's through the faith in christ jesus so then brethren we are not children of the bond woman but of the free we that are christians we are not children of the bond woman you see all the muslims they were still sacrificing a lamb a ram every year thinking that is how that's just like the Jews trying to sacrifice and try to make another temple and want to making sacrificial blood and still referring to Abraham kill a lamb instead of a, instead of Isaac in those days that's what the Muslims are still trying to repeat Abraham kill a lamb to represent Isaac in the day that God promised those are old thing, old testament that is fulfilled in Christ it was fulfilled in Christ Christ is the true Lamb of God that re that replaced that replaced Isaac. Now, let me give you a, a, an allegory that God has revealed to me in that in that in that uh, presentation. God made a covenant with Abraham that Apostle Paul was referring to here in the book of Genesis chapter fifteen. It was like a covenant of blood where when two people wanted to make a a covenant between one another they will have to sacrifice and kill a, a, a bloody goat and split the blood of that goat on the floor 
and put the one side of the goat on this side, the other side of the goat on that side. And the two people that are making a covenant between another, we have to walk through the through the blood, through the separated goat. And it's like saying, This is what will happen to me. My life should be cut in pieces like this if I do not fulfill my own part. That is the that is how they make bloody covenant in those generations. Now God wanted to make a covenant with Abraham like that. And you see that in the book of Genesis. God wanted to make a covenant in Genesis chapter 15. God Abraham was talking with God and God said in chapter 3, Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. This is where God was promising Abraham that you will have a seed and your seed will be great and many. But he said, How will I know? Let me read it to you. In verse 4. The word of the Lord came to Abraham, saying, Oh, this shall not be thy hair, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. As God told him, telling Abraham to look toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he tells them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of all of the Kildes to give thee this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Now Abraham was asking God, How will I know that I'm going to inherit this land? And that is the promise God is going to now make to Abraham. And he's going to make a, they're going to swear to one another. And he said unto him, Take, an, take me an Aiphat of three years old, a she goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. So Abraham went and took all those things and divided them in the midst. Now this is in a vision, you have to remember that. So Abraham divided those things and parted them asunder. It's like they want to swear to one another. Like I just said, that's how people swear in those days. They will kill these animals and shed the blood on the floor and both of them will walk through it and say, if I do not fulfill my part, this is what will happen to me. My life should be cut to pieces like this. But when they were about to walk through it, what happened? Abraham, God didn't allow Abraham to walk through it. God himself walked through it. So it was God alone promising. And now look at how he said, he said, when the, verse 11, when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drew them away. He was waiting for God to manifest so that they can both walk through it. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, which means Abraham fell asleep. And all of great darkness fell upon him. That means it will be, it will be in your lifetime. It's like Abraham will pass away. And then he said unto Abraham, No of that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for hundred years. And that's why God told Abraham what will go to happen to his seed. That in the fourth verse 16, in the fourth generation they shall come again, for the iniquity of the Amorites are not yet full. Verse 17 is where I'm going. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking forest, and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In that same day, that's the that burning lamp is symbolizing God walked through that sacrifice, walked in between that sacrifice to make his covenant. He's the one that swear, he swear by himself. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, river Egypt. So God made a covenant with Abraham that the seed of Abraham will inherit the heart. That is the covenant that we are talking about. And he said, We are the seed, anyone that believes in Christ. You become that seed of Abraham. Now God made a promise to Abraham 
And that promise is God alone making that promise. And the promise was that, oh, you when people make promises, also they can say, oh, you bring your firstborn and I will bring my firstborn. Or you bring your son and I bring my son. So, they are making a promise to one another. They swear that you bring your son and I bring my son. Can you sacrifice your son and I will sacrifice my son? So God came and tempted Abraham and said, take your son Isaac, the only son you have with you, that you love. Go and sacrifice Isaac for me on, Mount, on the mount I will tell you. And Abraham decided to do it and Abraham went. Before you could sacrifice Isaac, God said, stop! Like the Yoruba will say, anybody that raises up their hand to slap somebody, even though you didn't slap the person, you already slapped him because you raised up your hand. God said, now Abraham has done it. Stop! Abraham has already sacrificed his son. Now it is now God that you sacrifice his own son. So that's why God stopped Abraham and substituted a lamb on that mountain. The Muslims are trying to repeat that every year. That's the, because they know that Christ is that sacrifice. He came and became that sacrifice that Abraham was stopped, that he shouldn't sacrifice because it was God that made the promise and God that has to fulfill that promise to sacrifice his own son. So now God came at the 4,000 year and sacrificed his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of the living God on the cross. And that's why Christ said it is through him that this life can be given to mankind. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the life can be given to mankind. That is the sacrifice that God made for mankind to save us. It's a covenant between Abraham and God. Abraham said, okay, I will bring my son, you bring your son. Okay, Abraham went and brought his own son, but God said, don't, don't stop, don't kill your son. I accept it that you have already taken the steps. There is the sacrifice I'm going to do. So God substituted the lamb on that day, but it's symbolizing the real lamb of God will come in the end. And he came in Jesus Christ and he was sacrificed for the whole world. Because God, God himself alone is who made the promise. So that is a deep mystery that I'm living, that only God can make you understand it. But what is that telling you? It's telling you that God made a promise to save mankind and he is what is going to fulfill it. And Christ came to fulfill that promise and he saved anyone that we accept him. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you shall be saved. There's no other way whereby we might be saved except through the name of Jesus Christ. All the prophecies, all the things that Moses wrote, this story that I just read to you in the book of Genesis, Moses wrote it. Moses was not there, but God told Moses and he wrote them down in quotes. But it was actually in code because God knew what he was doing, but told Moses to write it down that way. It was being revealed to us that it was God that made the promise. It was God that made alone that swear. It was God alone that walked through the sacrifice, not Abraham. And it was God that's going to make it happen. And it was the Son of God that's going to make it happen. And that is why Christ came to save mankind. Now we are saved when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. You do well to believe so that you can come and partake of this salvation. Don't let your father's religion deceive you. It will not save you. Don't let pride deceive you. Many people are so proud. It's pride that makes them good to say, well, I, I remember someone said, well, I still want to go to this uh, Mecca. Pride. Some say, well, uh, I, I will do it my way. You want to please God by the works of the law. Pride. No man can please God through the works of the law. Let him come and change your heart, then you'll be able to freely fulfill the laws of, of, of righteousness. You'll be able to do it, it just becomes your nature. When Christ comes into us, it becomes our nature to fulfill the laws of righteousness. It's not a struggle that, like you have when you are not born again. I pray that the Lord will give you understanding to know that this is the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and life. No man can come unto the Father but by Jesus Christ. 
God bless you.